Welcome to NVC Life. I'm Rochelle Lamb, veteran NVC trainer and relationship coach, helping listeners navigate interpersonal conflict and ground more deeply into relational living. Greetings, fellow humans. Today is a special day, Halloween, October 31st, a few hours from November 1st, the Day of the Dead. As I do this recording, it's approaching midnight and there are some fireworks outside which may make their way into this podcast episode. We'll see. Certainly I can hear them from time to time and it's something that we do here on the West Coast. And it harkens back to an earlier time. For some people, this is called Sawain, which is a Gaelic uh, or Gaelic, depending on how you pronounce that word, or pagan tradition. And it marks the end of summer and the beginning of the cold. It would be a harvesting time and a day of remembering to remember what comes to an end and this includes, of course, the death of people who have been close to us. And the Day of the Dead is marked in many parts of the world. We recognize it so often as a Mexican tradition where the Day of the Dead is celebrated in a very colorful way. And yet that is not the only place where this occurs. I recall that 28 years ago, my husband and I and our two small children we went to Bali, Indonesia, and stayed there for four months. This was a move from Ontario, Canada, to the West Coast in British Columbia, and we decided we would spend some time somewhere else before relocating. And Bali, Indonesia was our choice because it was just such a markedly different culture, and it's one I was particularly fascinated with because of their emphasis on ritual and ceremony. I also recognized it as a place I could go where people lived in real community. It wasn't a word used to describe something that was gone or forgotten. It was actually the way people live there is in rural village settings and a very strong focus on village life and kinship close ties with family members, extended family members, neighbors, and others. It was a very different experience and a fascinating place to be. And one of the things that really struck me was their ceremony around death. In the Balinese culture, which is a Hindu culture, death is a very important final rite of passage. And it's a ceremony that begins with the placing of the body inside a big white paper mache type bowl and it is placed in a I guess a kind of a tower that is carried from one spot of the village through the streets of Bali in this case it was Ubud uh, which is a cultural center of Bali and it would be carried through those streets by, oh, I would say probably at least uh, 30 uh, usually Balinese men. Everyone was wearing Balinese ceremonial clothing, very colorful, a lot of white, a lot of yellows, marigold colors with, uh, with reds. 
and very beautiful, ornate designs and textiles. There was the sound of the gamelan, which would announce the approaching procession. I always remember my heart racing when that would happen. It happened about twice while I was there in Bali over the four-month period. So the people would carry this bull and the body. There would be hundreds of people. All of the cars would have to come to a stop. I mean, a procession takes precedence. And so they would make their way to the cremation site. Oh, yes. And one of the very interesting things that they would do is while they were going down the streets, they wouldn't always be going in a straight line. Many times they would stop and go in circles. And the whole purpose of doing that was to ensure that the spirit of the body would in fact leave the body and not be able to find its way back. So this was seen as uh, a way to free the spirit from the body and ensure that they actually made their way to the land of their ancestors. And in Bali, there are shrines in so many places where offerings are laid down there on lush banana leaves with little bits of saffron-colored rice and uh, beautiful flowers and incense that is burning. And it's laid there every day you will see an offering before a shrine because this is a way to remember actively, actively remember ancestors. This is such a sharp contrast to death practices in the Western world, or certainly in the part of the world where I live. I would have to go quite far back in my lineage to find something like that, and it would most likely be in the Irish tradition of the Irish wake and the Irish funeral. But it's something that does not exist where I am here now today. And certainly there are no shrines in my neighborhood where I can be regularly reminded of my ancestry or of those who came before me and the importance of remembering them actively. But that doesn't exist. It's up to me as an individual to remember, and it doesn't happen in the collective, which I think is unfortunate. Grieving together in community and remembering our dead in community is a very rare occurrence. It's important for me to acknowledge at this point that when I'm saying I and we, I am referring to those who, like me, are of European descent. Because I do live in a place that is home to traditional indigenous peoples, and they absolutely have their own ceremonial practices. So I am right now speaking about the poverty of people like me of European descent who arrived here on this land without practices and traditions that they have maintained. I wish we had the kinds of processions that I've just described seeing in Bali. Some of you might remember a hugely scaled down version of a procession such as the one I'm going to describe from a childhood memory. This would be when I was about 10 or 11 years old. There were times when I'd be walking to school and I'd be at the crosswalk when I could tell that everything seemed to be slowing down for some reason that I couldn't yet determine. And then I could see in a distance there was a procession 
of cars with the lights on, proceeding very slowly. And so there is the black hearse. And as a child, I remember being struck by that. And there was something about that that would just stop me. I couldn't think about anything else, but just was filled with a kind of a mm, wonder mixed with fear, I suppose, because I knew that inside the car was a casket and inside the casket was a body. And you could tell by the cars that were following that hearse very often, if you could see inside, people were dressed in black and people would be weeping. Now, that's something I don't see anymore. Not unless a very famous person has died or a head of state. It's just a very rare thing to see. But one of the benefits, I believe, of seeing that is that it makes a person stop and take stock of their life, reevaluate, reprioritize, remember the much bigger world and mystery to which we belong. And without that, I think there's a great risk of people proceeding without really attending to what the proper priorities are. Uh, That's a thought that I have on that, but it's always stuck with me. And so these types of ceremonies that are intended to help us to remember our dead and as such to be enormously grateful for life, the two go hand in hand. And here we are on this day. And so I'm hoping that you have some way of remembering your dead, that you have a ritual something that you do. And it could be as simple as just laying a plate of food out or thinking of someone special that you love who is no longer with us. And you prepare their favorite cake or a a special drink for them. And you raise your glass and toast them. I wrote this poem several years ago. And I wrote it for my ancestors, and for your ancestors. Today, they said, don't forget us. We once stood where you stand. We once ate and drank like you. We once ached in our hearts for love, wondering how things would turn out. Don't put us in cardboard shoeboxes, high up in the cupboard to gather dust, with the year penciled on the back, 1937, 1942, quietly fading in the dark. You wonder where you will go when you slip over to the other side. You say you're not afraid and that the light will gather you in. We get lonely just like you. We see you sometimes despairing alone, and we see you raising your cups, toasting your plentiful lives. You don't speak about us much except in therapy as hungry ghosts, the ones you need to cut ties from, lest you lose the chance to self-actualize. Aye, but the past is careening toward you. The compass they gave you is faulty. The dead have a pact with the living, and every meal is rich with story. Please invite us to your feast tables, for you sailed into this world on our labors, even if you think we committed wrongs. Your beating heart 
is proof of our kinship. These days are hard enough on all of us. Would that this plea rising up from the soil and calling down from the crackling Milky Way make its way to your ears and hearts. Please remember us well and often. In nonviolent communication, mourning is recognized as being a very important need. And yet I'm not sure how often we do it. And here I'm speaking about mourning, not simply for our own personal reasons, but to connect with everything that has preceded us so that our lives are made possible. May you be well, and may your ancestors be well. Thank you for tuning into NBC Life. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. For free resources or to book a private session with me, head over to rochellelam.com. Until the next time, stay sane, grateful, and generous. Thank you.